0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome uh, to Blog Talk Radio and Small Business IT Radio for another Friday here. My name is Stuart Crawford, and like every other Friday, we're broadcasting uh, throughout the world here on Blog Talk Radio. I highly recommend them as a service if you want to get on and start your own uh, podcast, your own webcast. You can go to blogtalkradio.com today and sign up for a free account, and uh, that's all it takes. Get on there, you know, get the confirmation email, and you're broadcasting. I know a lot of SMB IT professionals and consultants are are using Blog Talk Radio now as a way to reach their customers and you know get their voice out there so they, uh, you know, people in the market know what you're up to. So that's a free service. You can go on uh, blogtalkradio.com today and sign up. Small Business IT Radio is a show uh, dedicated to uh, success in the small business IT community, helping professionals and consultants out there get the information that they need to make uh, good business decisions, you know, help out with some things that are, they're struggling with. Topics range from everything, from you know, some technical stuff right through business, and you know, we even touch into some of those things that business owners we forget to and neglect you know, our, what we're doing professionally ourselves and, and how it affects our person. And the things that we do, per, uh, you know, within our families and all that stuff. So we have a wide range of topics. If you go to smallbusinessitradio.com today, you can uh, see all of our past shows and those uh, shows that are scheduled. We have a wonderful program uh, set aside for today. I've got uh, some key folks inside of Microsoft Canada joining us today to talk about software plus services. And since uh, the, the launch, I would even say the, the first bit of information we got on Software Plus Services when we were in Denver at the Worldwide Partner Conference. It's been one of those things that, you know, as an IT professional, hey, how do I make money doing this? How is it going to impact my business? And hopefully we'll uh, talk about some of those things today uh, on the program. Uh, We have uh, Ryan Storgart from Microsoft Canada out of of the Vancouver office joining us. Ryan, good morning to you on the West Coast. I hope it's as sunny in Vancouver as it is here in Calgary today.
2: Good morning, Stuart. It's actually overcast and rainy, surprise surprise. <laughs> so, a typical
1: Vancouver uh winter or fall day then.
2: Yeah, exactly. Usually stays this way until about oh, April May.
1: <laughs> so, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, what your role at Microsoft Canada is and you know the and you know, what you do on a day-to-day basis to uh, you know, engage with partners or even just customers.
2: Sure, my role is uh, Chief Software Plus Services Officer for Microsoft Canada, and as you mentioned i'm actually based out of, out of Vancouver and actually spend quite a bit of my time um, down working with uh, some folks on the product teams uh, in Redmond and also out across Canada and a lot of, a lot of time in Toronto. Um, really dealing um, all up from um, software plus services is our strategy for the next generation of computing with Microsoft, so in my role, I end up working with uh, Product teams on technical and business aspects, the partner teams because they're they're impacted by this, sales and marketing folks, and then also talking to people uh, externally just about what we're doing with software plus services. And you know, um, when you when you imagine uh, this this new services world, you know things are things are different in the sense that. We're not just talking about um, on-premises, and we're not just talking about on-premises and and even hosted options. We're now talking about, quote, the the cloud, and our software plus services strategy um, embraces all of that. And uh, you you can have some really interesting conversations with with customers and partners around um, this power of choice is kind of the the, the all-up concept that we end up up speaking to, which is... um, when you dig into a lot of scenarios, people will find that maybe because of, they want some control or, or, or flexibility that they want to tr- choose a traditional on-premise solution. Other times they find that you know they're, they're spending too much time, energy, and resources managing an infrastructure, so, uh, but they still need some of the uh, flexibility and control. So a hosted option through a, through a Microsoft partner would be a great option. And then what we're starting to get into now um, is, and we'll talk more about it today, is this notion of, of the cloud. And there's really pros and cons to each, to each one of them. And uh, like I said, it's, it's uh, I think we can talk a lot about today about what some of those kind of key factors are.
1: Great. And thanks for that you know, very high-level review, Ryan. It was, it was wonderful just to you know, get a picture of where we're at today. And we also have Rob Kent, who's uh, one of the partner account managers out of the, the Toronto office for Microsoft. And Ro- Rob joined us uh, this morning uh, or afternoon for you, for you, Rob. How are things going with you these days?
0: Well, things are good. Thanks for having me on, sir.
1: Awesome. Tell us a little about yourself, what your role at Microsoft Canada is, and a sure. you know, general overview of who you are.
0: Yeah, I'm, um, as you mentioned, I'm a, a partner account manager with Microsoft Canada. I focus specifically on our uh, Software Plus Services partner channel. So I work with um, hosters, uh, ISV, systems integrators, anyone who's, who's building out um, some sort of Software Plus Services practice um, based on our, our technology and our platform.
1: Great. So, and you, and you and I have talked uh, for many hours on, uh, you know, the benefits in the channel, uh, some of the challenges we're facing with partners, and I think that's how Ryan and I hooked up was on a webcast back in September. So, you brought everybody's all brought together here. So let's let's just dig right in. Ryan, you talked about, you know, the three things that you know Kevin Turner mentioned uh, last uh, July when we were in all gathered in the in the Toyota Center at uh, in Houston. You know having the option for for end customers to provide you know choose you know an on premise solution a mixture of both and you know going totally into the cloud but just give about like a whole overview of the cloud where do you see it today and what's what does it look like in you know even one year to five years out you know is is there a big swing coming uh, that we should be prepared for as uh, IT professionals
2: yeah, you know, it's definitely the the cloud is, is a really, really hot topic, kind of like if you go back a, a few years or, or the last couple of years, um, software as a service or SaaS was, was and still is a, a huge topic and Web 2.0. And if you kind of go back even further – um, SOA was was a, a a big topic, and and really a lot of them are really just speaking to this notion of of services and um, this ability to build uh, composite applications and and build relationships and uh, uh, with business partners or stitching applications applications together. And the cloud is is the the latest kind of evolution of this. And and some of the things that that people that I that, that we speak to about the cloud like about that model is this idea of kind of a consumption-based model for, for how you're going to pay for these services in the cloud. So if you think of what is the cloud, it's, it's things like computation in the cloud or storage in the, in the cloud and the ability to kind of have this uh, infinite scalability so that um, as you say you're going to be the next, the next Facebook, let's say, As you could look to the cloud and say, wow, that kind of gives me a good model in the sense that I don't have to build out a ton of infrastructure. I could actually um, leverage the cloud for that, and I'll pay for that based on my usage. And I never have to worry about scaling. I don't have to worry about managing any of that. I know I'm never going to run out of disk space or anything. And it kind of comes back to... what you really want to be focused on in, in pretty much everyone's business, which is, you know, how do I actually drive my business forward as opposed to, you know, managing the infrastructure under, underneath that. Um, that being said, uh, there's, there's like with anything, there's, there's those these pros and cons, right? So you get this infinite scale and you get this kind of consumption model I talked about um, from a pricing perspective, but you, you know, you, you you're sacrificing a lot of the, the control and the, and the flexibility that you you might have had uh, when you compare it to, say, an on-premise solution or something you might have got through, through a hosted solution.
1: And, Rob, when you're talking with the channel partners or, you know, the Microsoft partners today, is there a little bit of a hesitance on their, on their side to totally embrace the cloud as, a, you know, the future of computing here?
0: Well, we see a couple different things. Um I don't know if if you'd call it uh, hesitancy or or, um, lack of understanding of how to proceed. Um, Most of my partners, almost every partner that that I've engaged with, is uh, is very eager to move forward and and do something. They understand that they need to evolve their business, and and, um, this new concept of cloud computing and software plus services is definitely the direction that they need to go. Um, But there's no question that a lot of them... um, are, are a little unsure of how to proceed, and, and what is the, uh, what is the best way to um, to include that into their business? Because we're not talking about just technology. A lot of them are talking about having to to change their business model.
1: So you know that makes a lot of sense to me as you know as a partner, and uh, it's evolution. We have to look at new ways of uh, going to market. If we don't, we just. You know, we we laugh around our office sometimes. If you know, if we could stay on NT4 and Windows 95, we'd you know, we just we would have found customers, and we, but they wouldn't evolve. There was no innovation there. So this is just an, that next step that I see. Now, Ryan, is there any numbers? Like you know, have you heard any IDC or Gardner type numbers on what this market looks like uh, in the IT channel uh, when you when you talk about software plus services or cloud computing? That you can share with yeah
2: them? yeah you know i don't off the top of my head i don't have the have the stats that i can i can quote from but uh yeah the, i mean there's most of the analysts um are are taking a stab at uh trying to to quantify what the opportunity looks like from a certain basically from a services perspective or what everyone's kind of calling the, the cloud. And what, what I've found actually is before you start digging into the cloud is even getting a common understanding of, of what you perceive the cloud to be is, is a good starting point because um, what I'm noticing quite often what they're doing is when they talk about cloud, they're also actually rolling in um, software as a service as, as part of that, right? So I was speaking to um, the, the notion of the cloud of being able to um, – get compute uh, capability and storage capability and running your services and so on. But um, one of the things people are doing, like I said, is also bundling in um, software as a service as part of just thing, things in the cloud. And and that's a good point to make, is that would be things like, in our world with, with Microsoft, is uh, a couple of weeks ago at our Worldwide Developer Conference, we announced Windows Azure, and we can talk about that more in a second. But that was very much uh, the... Um, Think of it as we're taking the Windows platform and extending that to the cloud so you have another choice of where you could build services, deploy your applications, um, and get that computation and storage and management that I was talking about. The other um, Microsoft example that you'd have that's more from a software as a service perspective would be our Microsoft Online um, suite of products. So that would be things like Exchange Online and SharePoint Online and uh, OCS Online and so on, right? So um, that's what I'm seeing is, is is quite a few of the analysts now are kind of just speaking um, all up towards the opportunity to cloud, and, it, and it's kind of all-encompassing, all of that, but absolutely uh, huge growth there. And, you know, when you look at it from a Microsoft perspective, people would ask me, you know, what the software plus services strategy, like you know help me help me understand what what you guys are doing there, and the best way that I described it was when you look at these these industry trends and especially these services ones we were talking about things like software as a services and s o a and web two dot and so on um, you know Microsoft needs to embrace all of those things and and really the software plus services strategy is about. We still need to deliver you know best in class software for for on premise that gives you the most flexibility and control. We still we, you know we're a platform company, so we need to make sure that we have a great platform that our partner channel can can build on to deliver those solutions I talked about earlier where someone doesn't perhaps want it completely in the cloud They, they do need some verticalization let's say or some flexibility to work with a hoster to get a, a more customized solution, but they don 't want to run the infrastructure themselves. And then finally, of course, we need to show that we're, we're deeply investing in, in this services world so that people that, don't, uh, or people that want to kind of consume exchange, let's say, in a cloud-based model from Microsoft, they can do that, right? So that's what the Software Plus Services strategy is all about is, is Im- deeply embracing all of that. You can pick whichever one you want. And then I guess the higher level point, too, would be we see an opportunity especially based on, on some of the work that I do with, with customers and partners where it's not even this either or world, like you completely move everything to the cloud or host it or on-premise, you probably would find is as you dig into things, there's certain um, workloads or certain situations that that are good for each one of them. Let's say you might find you want to have your email out in the cloud, but you might have a CRM application that you want through uh, a verticalized experience through a hoster and that's where Microsoft has some real differentiation. Is again, we have this common um, development platform that extends across all of all of those things, right? And that's where where you can get a differentiated look at it.
1: Well, I, I see a number of different things here, Ryan, about you know the cloud. And you know when we're talking about the cloud, I mean, I remember when I was at a, an ISV partner oh, ten years ago. I went to a terminal server class, and you know I was a techie back then. And I brought this I this one I kinda first had my first inclination that I should be in uh, sales and the marketing. But I went to uh, this ter- terminal server and I class and I learned all about terminal services and I came back that day and I said to my uh supervisor, you know, there's an opportunity here that we can take terminal server and put our apps on it and send and instead of trying to develop web apps, have our clients connect to terminal server and run our apps in our terminal server environment. I mean that, to me that was the first generation of, you know, taking applications uh, you know, it's kind of like the, A. I mean, we started with the ASP model way back about 10 mm-hmm. years ago. But now, you know, taking the idea of taking Terminal Server and, you know, enhancing it with maybe like another Microsoft partner f- uh, solution from Citrix and really bundling that. That was 10 years ago. We've totally evolved to, we got services like we're on right now. You know, Blog Talk Radio, which is a total web application. There's nothing to install on your machine. You just go into a website, you log in, and the service is there. Um... Uh, and I'm just trying to remember where I was going with it. <laughs> it's totally well, you wrong. know, I think I
2: think you raise an interesting point, yeah. actually. I just had a conversation the other day around this is, um, again, it's it's helpful sometimes to take a step back and say, well, okay, we're going to have this conversation with the cloud, and, and let's actually zero in on a little bit more on kind of um, what, what the person's meaning with the cloud. Like I said, sometimes they're meaning software as a service. Other times they're meaning kind of utility computing, grid computing, and all those things. Um, but it was interesting because actually what we ended up, identifying was they really were were attracted to the idea of just I don't want to have to um, manage the, the deployment of all this software. And I mean, terminal services that you were just talking to, Stuart, is, is a good example of that. But we ended up having this interesting conversation that really wasn't even about the cloud then, as we ended up talking about um, some of the new virtualization uh, technologies that we have at Microsoft, where it's not just virtualizing a, a, a desk, a complete image. Um, we can actually virtualize an, an application now. So you can have um, an application on my desktop that for all intents and purposes, from my perspective, runs on my machine, but in actuality, it's actually um, being deployed kind of in this almost like uh, uh, terminal server mode, but it's specific to the application. So even when you start digging into to virtualization, it's a, it's a really interesting conversation. And again, I always find it's helpful to say like, Okay, what's what's actually driving the interest to the cloud, and then I think you have a conversation a, a, around what what those those are. And, and quite often, I find it's it's the biggest thing is people just want to um, ease the you know or, or quicken the the time to market and and re- relieve themselves of some of the burden of, of a lot of management is kind of driving a lot of these these conversations.
1: I that you know, that's exactly what it would have been. I mean. That's why I see it. You know, things like you know app, yeah, application virtualization is going to be huge. Rob, maybe to bring you back into the conversation here, what are you seeing through some of the partners that you manage? You know, what kind of creative solutions are they bringing to market? I mean, I can think of a couple, You know, everything from what we're on here to online disaster recovery. I mean, talking with some friends of mine over the last couple of days about their disaster recovery and disaster avoidance solutions, and it's entirely in the cloud. But what are you guys seeing you know, through your partners that you manage? What kind of creative solutions are out there?
0: Yeah, you know, it's um it's a really fun time to be part of the partner community because over the last uh I'd say 12 to 18 months I've seen um a, a lot of really really creative ideas and a lot of new innovations coming out from them. So, it's um there's there's a whole slew of, of new ideas that are um that are coming out now. You know, we've got partners like you say that are doing uh, full disaster recovery, uh, backup disaster recovery remotely. Um which is completely offsite for, you know, in either individual machines or, um, full IT infrastructures. Um, we obviously have, uh, partners who are focused on, you know, hosted Exchange, hosted SharePoint, a lot of those, those typical kind of name brand hosted services that, uh, we're all becoming more and more familiar with. And we have people who are, who are doing, um, um, more all encompassing i t services uh, we have you know, t- your typical systems integrator or small business um, you know professional services shop, which has moved or evolved their practice from being basically a body shop where they send people on truck rolls to go to go into the, their various customers to take care of their desktops to deploying basically just a thin client machine, and all of the infrastructure all of the applications everything sits um, in a hosted uh, in, in a hosting center. Um, in this more of a utility computing model, where um, you know they charge their their customers basically you know per user, per application, per month, um, and we've got you know we've got everything in between. We've got ISVs who have uh, very creative applications, um, and that's probably one of the areas where most innovation is happening is with our ISVs and um, the types of ways that they're incorporating services into their applications um there's a lot of line of business applications now that uh you know we we look at the different ERP applications and CRM applications you know salesforce.com is kind of the poster child for you know software as a service but there's there's many many other applications which um uh, ISVs are are slowly evolving from being uh, on premise you know desktop based installations to either full on hosted applications or they leverage aspects of um, of a hosted service um, so that you know to provide more value to uh to the end customer and probably one of the one of the great examples of that is a um, um, an isv that we have that uh is partnering with um, um, uh, with um, Gyms, uh, different gyms that are throughout North America, and they're installing services onto uh, onto the gym equipment, uh, so that as a, their users can um, set their their uh, set their workout, you know, um, uh, it will track how much they do, um, when they do it, it will uh, create a whole bunch of you know, statistical analysis, but it will upload it to uh, to a server that's somewhere else um, and consolidate all the information from. Um, all of the different users in an anonymous way, which provides some really rich data reporting back to uh, the gym, but also it allows those end users to be able to log into their profiles online from home and track in, ver- in a lot of detail exactly um, uh, what they're doing in their workout. And it gives them a completely different user experience and something that, um, that is, is new and, and a lot of value to that that end user. And that's just one example of the types of new applications and services that we're seeing coming out.
1: I, I just have to look at my teenager son, who goes to one of the local high schools here in Calgary. His homework is all available out online. Uh, I can log in as a parent and see what his, his progress is. It's remarkable the way this whole online world is coming. And I think, Rob, I think you may kind of mentioned it in, indirectly, is that you know, IT professionals, us guys doing the infrastructure work. I think it's uh, one of those, you know one of the goals we should put for 2009 is to really start latching on to these. Hosting providers or these ISV partners to complement the complement the services that we offer. And you know, do you see a lot of um, SIVAR partners latching on to hosting partners now, or even ISVs to absolutely uh, give them a well-rounded solution offering?
0: Absolutely, that's probably the biggest trend that we're seeing right now is um, different partners uh, connecting and, and working together to, to build out these services. Um, you know, from an i t small business perspective and you know those i t administrators um, we're right now the the buzzword is all productivity. It's all about productivity it's how do you make your company more productive? How do we make them more efficient with um, and, and make more efficient use of the funding that we have? And very often finding these hosted services is exactly how they do that um, one, because they're available in more places than just a person's office. Uh, and, two, because we see different companies that are that are partnering together to combine their um, their intellectual property and their expertise to create you know, better, more well-rounded solutions. And uh, IT administrators should definitely be looking to take advantage of that.
1: So there's a huge market opportunity there for us small business IT professionals. I just want to remind everybody who's listening to us online here that you can call in and ask questions if you have a question for either Ryan or Rob or myself at 646-716-8372. And I also open up the chat window at blogtalkradio.com. So if you don't want to get your voice online, you can uh, put a question up in our chat uh, window here. And about software plus service and everything uh, that everything all about software plus services is a great topic, guys. And where we're, we're uh, you know we're doing well here today. Ryan, uh, you know, so we got the three offerings, the three or the three pillars, you know, premise, combination of both, and uh, totally in the cloud. Uh, let's just dig into some of the offerings and you know maybe. And you know, in, in, introducing some, some new concepts. If we, if, if I fail to mention any, well, you mentioned uh, Windows Azure or Azure or whatever you want to pronounce that. But that's that's the latest one. But let's just put that on the back burner for a few minutes here. Uh, let's talk about you know BPOS or or uh, you know Office Live Fall Business. To me, I get that as you know, it's a you know I'm uh, I'm storing data in the cloud through Office Live Fall Business. I'm not running Office in the cloud. And then we have BPOS, which is the Business Productivity Suite, to me, I think that's where a lot of the partners today are a little bit of concern about, you know, how is that going to impact them? You know, when we start taking traditional licensing sales that we would sell Exchange or OCS or SharePoint or whatever, now we're subscribing to that service on the web. And, you know, in, in all fairness to some of the partners is that you know, we don't even have to be as partners. We don't even have to be involved in, that, in with that entire process. It, it, the customer could just go do that. They feel that maybe some of that market share is being taken away from them. But me at a high level, let's just explain what it is and what the opportunity to to the partner channel is for that.
2: Yeah, well, I think the the first thing that I'd address right off the bat, which is which is I think the concern is that um, with BPOs or what's what's actually the. We love the acronyms, especially at Microsoft. (laughs) BPOS is Business Productivity Online Suite. So when people are talking about BPOS, at a higher level, we're talking about Microsoft Online, right? And, And at a branding level, what we're doing is we have Live, which is a consumer and small business brand. So think of Office Live, for example, or Office Live Small Business. And then um, in the enterprise space, um, or even mid-market space, is we have another brand called Microsoft Online, and that's where you'll find Exchange Online and SharePoint Online and uh, OCS Online and so on. And uh, what Stuart was just mentioning when he talked about BPOS is, is imagine, um, just like we have a suite of Office products on the desktop – we have a suite of offerings uh, for Microsoft Online. So when someone's talking about BPOS, they're talking about this suite of, I want to buy um, Exchange Online and SharePoint Online and Office Communication Server Online and those types of things. That's what, just for clarity, that's what, what we're talking about. Um, and, and you raise an interesting point. is Microsoft is super partner, partner-centric. That's pretty much how our, our business model works. Um, and uh, we do get questions questions quite often. Is hey, if Microsoft is offering these, what does that mean to me me as a partner? But what's interesting is when the customer actually goes to to buy uh, a Microsoft Online uh, product, they actually put in who the partner record there is. So even though it's the customer signing up, um, we definitely want to make sure that we have a partner record tied to that, because even though you're getting the service from Microsoft, there's, there's still um, a big opportunity um, from a partner perspective to help support the customer. And then on top of that, um, what we're finding is, although we're, we're, when you look at why someone again would, would choose that kind of a model, this software as a service model is, is kind of what we're talking about here. Is that Let's say that I want to exchange or SharePoint actually a really good example. Someone wants SharePoint Online. What I find in talking to these customers, they're typically doing that again because they, they don't want to manage this infrastructure. They kind of want to move from a model of having to do a lot of capital expenditures for um, resources to support um, the infrastructure that, let's say, SharePoint would, would run online premises. Um, they actually are looking at this, you know, that'll just kind of be more um, OPEX, OPEX cost. And what's driving that too is they say, okay, well, if I could get some of that um, management and and infrastructure stuff off my plate, that would free up more resources and budget to really focus on, I I know I still want SharePoint, but I really want to start targeting, you know, Workflow solutions and productivity solutions and how SharePoint can, you know, let's jump straight to delivering value um, that, that SharePoint can provide. And again, that there's a huge partner opportunity there, right, is we've just shifted from, okay, are you going to spend the first six months of the, of the or however long it takes of the project, um, getting everything set up and setting up the um, servers and and all of that type of stuff to instead of saying, okay, we're not going to spend the, the first bit of the project on that, we're going to jump straight into um, actually you know analyzing the business workflow and and how that's going to be set up in SharePoint and setting up the permissions and all that type of stuff right see
1: so, yeah, I mean i I, I kind of get that as a you know as a business owner and looking and saying, you know I want to keep my cost and my i t infrastructure as low as I can, but I don't want that to impact the productivity of my team So... Are, are we seeing in Canada, Ryan, I mean, you go down to the States quite a bit too, so you work with the guys very closely in Redmond. Are we seeing bandwidth limitations still impacting, you know, how we roll out services, or, you know, a bandwidth, a thing of the past. We have enough bandwidth now that we can move forward and, and go forward confidently with online solutions these days
2: yeah that's actually a really interesting point is uh, I wouldn't say bandwidth is the is the issue. What's actually the issue is just um, do you even have any bandwidth period based on where you are, right? and And this is the example of um, another pillar of, of what we're doing around software plus services, which is um, we've kind of been focusing on just uh, uh, the desktop kind of experience, and really, you know, am I going to get this through kind of a browser or or um, on my PC? But, um our strategy is also incorporates kind of quote the uh, the world of devices and the classic example to this would be um, you don't always have uh, access to internet connectivity right you're sometimes you're on a plane or you 're somewhere downtown or somewhere out um, in the country, and you just you, you just don't have any bandwidth period and it's it's this idea of we want to make sure that with this strategy that we're we're delivering value to you in the context that you happen to be in and, and The Exchange example is a good one, Exchange and Outlook, is someone could choose Exchange, and that could be an on-premises solution, a hosted solution, or it could be Exchange Online, as we already mentioned. Um, And then with that, you might find, hey, if I'm at my PC, chances are I'm probably going to use Outlook. That's what most people happen to do, because it gives me the richest experience, and it gives me the most control over my calendar, and it's quick and fast, and all those wonderful things. Um, If I'm at someone else's house, though, I might... um, fire up a browser, and I go on to Outlook Web Access. And then the other example is um, all of us are carrying around mobile devices, so you know, given the context, yeah, if I have a few minutes, I can check my email on my, on my mobile device. And then finally, one that maybe some people haven't been exposed to is with Exchange, you have the ability to be able to phone into your um, email inbox and have your messages read to you, have your appointments read to you, be able to cancel appointments and so on. And, and a good contextual example of this is a um, lot of places around the world they are instituting this you know you can't be on your on your cell phone like a lot of people are texting and stuff while they're, while they're driving and so on so I was just in California for the in Los Angeles for the professional developers conferences I was mentioning it was interesting to me that um, yeah it's it's law there now that you can't actually uh, be on your cell phone uh, texting or anything like doing email or anything like that while you're driving which is a great idea so you have to be on a Bluetooth Bluetooth device uh, hands-free and that's another good example where okay well someone still has to have their email Fixed, but they can't actually be be uh, using the device or looking at the device. You know, again, you could you could phone in, and, and that's given the context of where you happen to be and what device you happen to have in your hand is that we want to make sure that we're delivering value to you there. So that's another good point.
1: I mean, and I like, I mean, I'm, I travel, and I you mean you guys travel probably just as much as I do, but you know, having that time on the plane, for example, like flying from Calgary to Toronto or Vancouver, Toronto, we have like three or four hours of you know time in the air that we can get caught up. So. Even with Outlook 2007, we have that capability of working in an offline mode. Get some connectivity, come back on, and we can resync up with our mailbox. So, I get the point. I get SharePoint and I get Exchange Online. Uh, Especially, I like Exchange Online from a disaster recovery uh, part too. I can have my maybe Ryan, maybe maybe you can ask me if this this actually works. I can have my Exchange uh, 2007 server on premise, but I can fail over to the Exchange Online service as a backup just in case. Uh, if something happens in my office. Can we fail over easily?
2: That's a you know that's a good question. If if I I don't know um, about that exact scenario. The one that I've been dealing with actually it's it's somewhat related. Is 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 we're talking about um, both an on-premise scenario and a, a, a exchange online or like a, like a cloud scenario as well. And the one that I've been um, speaking of, to customers about. And um, also Microsoft folks to make sure that our licensing reflects this this literally this this software plus services world that we were talking about from a licensing perspective, and what it was was um, this ability for you to have both of them going. And, and usually the context is it could be this failover that you were talking about. I think that that's very valid. The other example is I'm finding some customers will say, you know what, um, we need a lot of the on-premises uh, features of of exchange because of sensitivity of data like, let's say, the accounting department or whatever. They're never going to put that stuff online because they want to make sure that they have complete control over it. But they also saw, let's say, an opportunity where there was a whole group of of workers that maybe don't have any email whatsoever at all or, or access to SharePoint. And the company wants to be able to make sure these people have an inbox so you know the CEO can send out an email or can reference things, and, and everyone can actually have, have access to that. But you know, maybe they don't want to actually add more infrastructure on-premises. So they have this scenario where they have complete control over certain groups that are on-premise, and then other people are, are provisioned um, more in the cloud with, with Exchange Online. And then there's some people that might actually move between the two, right? And, and that's exactly what we're, what we're solving with this Software Plus Services strategy. And I think it's a good point because we've kind of been talking more around the technical concepts, but you also need the licensing model that, that goes with that as well, right?
1: So what, what does the licensing model look like then?
2: There's a, a concept of a, a user subscription uh, license. So you would be able to have a scenario where someone can access, um, like I said, the on-premise uh, scenario and can also access uh, Exchange Online as well with this USL.
1: So, Rob, you mean you you deal with a lot of partners that are doing hosted servers today? There's a number of partners in, in Canada and the U.S. You know, across the world that are doing their own uh, exchange hosting, mm-hmm. uh, SharePoint hosting, white labeling that, so a guy like me can actually put my logo and all that stuff on it. Is how do they feel about the the Microsoft entry into this? Is, are they embracing it, or is there a bit of a concern there?
0: Well, th- these guys have been doing this for a while. Um, and, and they've, you know, in a lot of ways, they were the visionaries back in the day um, who who originally sparked this and started moving this forward. So, you know, while um, there's a little bit of um, um, sense of okay, well, is Microsoft going to? How much of the market is Microsoft going to uh, going to take away, or how much of a market opportunity? Um, the bigger sentiment is, um, uh, is is really excitement that. That this is all moving forward, it really validates um, what they've always believed in in, and what they've invested, you know, a good part of their professional career in in building out. So they're very, very excited about it, and they see it as as driving more opportunity. I can tell you that there's, um, they've they've seen an increase in the in the number of of, uh, sales and the amount of traffic that they're getting uh, over the last six to eight months, Um, and they attribute that. To um, a, you know, many big companies like Microsoft, who are launching these new services,
1: I mean, I look at the Microsoft as you know, creating the you know, for a lot of things they do, creating a, the awareness in the marketplace for for guys like us to go and excel at what we do. And yep. I think the, in the hosting world, it's kind of the same concept.
0: Yeah, and it's you know, when you look at these services, something like hosted Exchange, um, it, it, it just makes sense. It makes sense on so many different levels. But one of the challenges that we've had up until recently is that there are so many. IT professionals who are either just completely unaware that it even exists or they're just not familiar enough with it to to know what the benefits are and, and how uh they can take advantage of it. Um and so the more that Microsoft um uh builds out these services and, and moves our software plus services strategy forward, uh the more awareness that that generates and, and we'll see we'll see more and more um IT pros start taking advantage of these
1: so what tools, Rob, are available to, you know, the IT professionals out there, you know, owners of, you know, Microsoft Small Business Specialists, maybe a, the certified partners, registered partners? What tools are available to them uh, to, you know, they, they listen to uh, our talk here, they're inspired, they want to learn more about software plus services or hosted solutions. What tools, as a partner account manager, what tools are available to them that they can get on right away and start, uh, you know, start developing a practice around this?
0: Well, if, if, if they're interested in... Um in developing hosted solutions and selling hosted solutions, then uh, then definitely they should they should go to Microsoft.com forward slash hosting. And uh, there's a lot of great information there. It talks about some of our different. Um, it talks about our licensing model, which is specific for for partners, so that they can build out that user subscription licensing model as well. Um, it talks. About, it provides some guidance on how you would deploy these services um, or our products in a what we call a multi-tenant environment, and some of the different things that you need to be. Uh, thinking of when you deploy uh, products in a hosted environment. Um, so there's a lot of great material there. That's probably the, the number one resource. is just Microsoft.com forward slash hosting.
1: Okay. So, I mean, if I'm, Rob, you know, I'm to put you on the hot seat here, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm a, an FI and a VAR partner, and I really want to start uh, getting into hosting and uh, in providing that service. So I, we, I went to hosting, you know, Microsoft.com slash hosting. I understand all that stuff. Uh, is there any other resources that we can can leverage to, you know, just get, you know, we're, we're a goal partner, so let's say we want to do hosting tomorrow. Uh, what can we do next?
0: So the next step would be to um, uh, send an email to uh, bizserv at microsoft.com. That's B-I-Z-S-E-R-V at microsoft.com. Um, that's a Canadian alias to, to gather some more information about specifically about becoming a hosting uh, partner. Um and uh, you would sign up for the the service provider licensing agreement, and uh, you you can uh, you can start offering services pretty much right away.
1: Now there was one thing about licensing uh, that I was I knew that I was aware of. Um, tell me tell me a little bit about the, the Spla licensing and how that differs from regular open value open business type licensing. Sure.
0: Yeah, the Spla is um, again Spla. With myself with all our acronyms, service provider licensing agreement. Um, it, it's a licensing program that we've developed specifically for um, for partners who want to do, deliver uh, hosted services. Um, allows them to uh, to to pay for our um, our products on a monthly basis, either per user or per processor, um, and it, it aligns better to the way that they uh, they charge for their services. So rather than having to go and acquire. Um, a large number of software assets up front um we align it to to the way that your uh, your business is going to grow um It's very flexible you know you can uh, grow or shrink your your usage each month um, and there's most of the Microsoft products that are now available through uh through SPLA.
1: and that's different from like the open value subscription that was released earlier this year
0: yeah the um the SPLA is only for service providers specifically. So it, okay. it is not meant for an end customer. It's meant for partners who are looking at, at selling our software uh, to end customers in a hosted manner or building their own solutions on top of our software.
1: Okay, perfect. Perfect. So, Ryan, uh, back over to you. You made that uh, announcement about uh, w- Windows Azure. Uh, let, tell us a little bit more about that. What's all that all about? Uh, you know, uh, I think you kind of touched, touched on it, but can we dig a little deeper into what that is?
2: Yeah, sure. So, a couple of weeks ago in Los Angeles, we had our, our Professional Developers Conference, or, or PDC, and that was one of the <clears throat> excuse me that was one of the major uh, announcements um, was Windows Azure, or Azure, depending on, on who you talk to. <laughs> and really, we, we've been positioning it as, as a, a an operating system for the cloud, or you can think of it as we really took the Windows platform to the cloud. And we now have an application model. So if you're if you're building solutions that spans you know the server, web, PC, and and your and your mobile devices. So again, really kind of bringing the software plus services strategy to light like from a cloud perspective. So if we take a step back and go, well, what do you mean by by a cloud OS? Because it was interesting talking to people after the announcement, and when they think of cloud operating system, they are like, okay, does it have like a start button or what do you mean by it's it's an operating system? And what they're really talking about is this notion of um, abstraction so if you think about it today, um, what does a desktop operating system provide for you right and it's it's really it's abstraction when you're when you're developing a, a website or you're developing a, an app on on top of the desktop, you don't have to worry about writing hardware device drivers, you don't have to worry about writing a file system driver. you don't have to worry about writing to a certain piece of of memory anymore you just there's other uh, programs that are running on the operating system. That's okay. You don't have to worry about it. That gets taken care of, care of for you. There's stuff maybe you want to run in the background, um, like a service. So you know a lot of those concepts that that people are familiar with on the desktop. Um, you really need that in the in the in the cloud. So if you think about it, um, if you were going to um, run a a bunch of services, or again, my my example was you're going to be the next Facebook. Let's say. Um you might find you're in a similar scenario where, okay, I need to buy a lot of servers and I'm gonna build at this data center and then I need to respond to hardware failures because a lot of people are not buying big, big, big machines like scale up. They're scaling out, right? Commodity hardware and they, they wanna um account for, okay, these things are gonna fail. Disks are gonna fail, processors, fans, all that stuff. Then you got to think, okay, well, what if you actually do become the next Facebook or MySpace or whatever it happens to be, and you get in a ton of traffic, right? How do you manage that? How do you add storage capacity? Um, What if your service goes down, and can you actually trace that? It's hard to kind of debug in the cloud, right? And then once you got all that figured out, then you might have security patches or operating system patches, and then you rev your service. And then how do you actually go and do that elegantly, like take some off and keep your keep your service running. And then take it even further and say, okay, now you're a global uh, service. You want to offer this um, not just in Canada or the U.S., but, but globally. Okay, well, how do you scale that globally, and how do you be able to, let's say, specify that you need to have um, geo-redundancy of data, right, maybe within the same country, or maybe you want to have redundancy between Whatever North America and, and Asia Pacific, right? So that's kind of the what ends up happening when you move into this cloud cloud world. And what we did with Windows Azure is is uh, when we talk about this cloud OS, that's really what we're doing is we're offering at the very highest level this cloud OS. And taking a step further, is it's compute, storage, and management provided for you um, in in the cloud. And and again, it it comes back to that fundamental issue of yeah Microsoft wants to to be able to enable you across all of our offerings to do things easily so you can actually focus on you know the value you're trying to drive in, in your you know let's just call it your business logic right and we'll try to take care of of abstracting a lot of the the details away and with windows azure that's that's exactly what we're doing is you can go in. Write your your application, deploy that to the cloud, and then part of the configuration file. As a more tangible example, you can specify uh, you know how many instances you need, and if you find that through the monitoring, wow, you know I'm, I really need to scale this out. I need to add another 20, 20 machines. You just change you know the eight to twenty, and now you've got twenty machines, and that's this notion that I talked about right at the beginning of this. The, the infinite scale and, and the elasticity of of the cloud and then again having a, a a pricing model underneath that that also reflects this this that from a consumption perspective right so that's kind of a, a what what the big announcement was at, at PDC around Windows Azure
1: so it's it's still something relatively new is, is it it's in concept still.
2: Yeah, that's actually thanks for bringing that up. That's a good point. So at the at the PDCs, that's usually where we're bringing we're meeting with the developer community and we're showing um, kind of what we've been up to and also um, uh, where we're, where we're heading over the next couple of years, right? So as, as a good example with Windows Azure is we release this in what's known as a as a community technology preview, or if you want the acronym, a, a CTP. And really, um, the what the Azure team was talking about was Um, we want to share the CTP with you. Um, We're thinking it's going to be out sometime next year. We actually didn't get more specific than that because their their point was we wanted to have a a CTP, then we'll look at moving this to a beta. But they really wanted to get a lot of feedback from the development community um, and start evolving, like, uh, another interesting aspect with those guys is um, they don't see it as you know these big bang releases. There will be an aspect of that, but they also want to continually rev the service, right, and bring more and more and more pieces online. Which is actually maybe um, kind of round two of this conversation would be. I talked about Windows Azure, which is again this cloud OS, um, and 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 the other thing that they talked about was some services that are sitting on on top of all of that. And what I mean by that is. Um, Azure is what's providing this um, cloud OS capability that abstracts away. You know, It'll take care of spinning up a bunch of machines for you and making sure that you know your storage is always there, and it'll handle the failures elegantly for you. You don't have to worry about any of that. Um, and then sitting on top of Azure is they talked about a couple services. One was .NET services. Another one was SQL services. And the uh, uh, additional the third one was live services, and they're going to continue to keep adding here and just to give you some context for this is with dot net services if you dug, dug into that and said well what you, what is that?" what it is is access control um, uh, service bus for for exposing um, web services, and workflow. So imagine the scenario of, okay, I talked about the cloud OS and the things that it could provide, but what about you as a .NET developer, let's say, Um, used to a traditional experience with Microsoft, how are we addressing that in the cloud? And and that's a great example is you could um, leverage storage in the cloud, you could leverage computation in the cloud, but you could also start developing with Visual Studio, as an example, and, and plugging into these .NET services, which would do the essential things for you, like Access control. So, you know, pretty much every application or website needs to know who are you and what can you do. So, that's that's the access control piece. The other one is um, you. Maybe you're not even deploying a whole website. Maybe you actually just want to have a bunch of services um, out, out in the cloud. And, and Rob gave a good example of this, right? Is he had an example of someone who's augmenting their existing solution, really adding a lot of services features to it, that might be a great way to do that is, is they leverage the cloud specifically for, for um, doing that so that they don't have to worry about creating this massive infrastructure and management capability for the services. Let Azure take care of that and then also leverage .NET services, specifically the services bus and maybe access control for um, how they'd actually program to that. And then the final piece was workflow because a lot of these things you might have a service that takes an, an incoming request and then it needs to do a you know a whole series of actions that have a bunch of different decision points on that. And that's Windows Workflow Foundation, if you're familiar with uh, .NET development. So they talked ab- about this .NET services component. They also then talked about SQL services, so data storage. They showed an early preview of business intelligence and analytics in the cloud, those types of things. And then finally the live services was um, if you wanted to plug into, you know, Messenger AP- like Windows Live Messenger APIs or, or our contacts database with Windows Live and, and so on. And uh, the live mesh also fitting in there as well. So. Th- Two things. One was the operating system layer, and then they they started showing here's the services that sit on top of this uh, Windows Azure cloud OS.
1: So lots of great innovation coming. I uh, in the next uh, 12 to 24 months, a whole new realm of cloud innovation coming, which is great.
0: Yeah, that was, of course,
1: actually it all coming out.
0: Yeah, and, and what I love about all that is um, so much of it is is. Uh, Leverageable by partners as a, as a platform, like Ryan was saying. So, exactly. You now I've got lots of partners who are very very excited about um, what else that will allow them to do. Because essentially, what it's doing is it's it's eliminating a lot of what has become almost just the grunt work of the development side. That they so they can now focus on um, the the cool solutions that they like to develop, right?
1: That's wonderful. So guys, we got about uh, you know by the ten minutes left here. Ryan, uh, from your side, is there anything that we haven't addressed yet that we should be, you know, you know opening uh, opening up for the people that are listening today? Um. Well,
2: we didn't. We, we mentioned it, but maybe maybe we want to talk a little a little bit about. Um, well, we talked about Microsoft Online, and then specifically we talked about Business Productivity Online Suite. We talked about Windows Azure and some of these some of these cloud announcements. Um, maybe we should touch briefly on on uh, two other uh, elements kind of more on the software-as-a-service side. One was um, another big surprise announcement at PDC was uh, we demoed Office web applications for, for the first time. I don't know if you guys, uh, well, Rob has, but I don't know if, if you've seen that, Stuart. But um, that was a big one that um, talking to a lot of the, the people that were at PDC, that they, they were very excited about. And what, what this was was um, having a... Um, uh, version of Word and OneNote they did in the in the keynote and Excel in the in the cloud, so I could actually access these through a browser. What you can do with Office Live Workspace today, I should say, so if you go to officelive.com and sign into Workspace there, we actually give you the ability to store um, Office documents for free up in the cloud, and you can share those, and people can comment on them and so on. But this was really um, going beyond that, and the demos that they were showing was actually having you know the Office ribbon that we have in Office 2007 was actually available through a web page, and they showed that it was actually using um, DHTML, so they were doing a demo in not only IE, but they're doing it in, in Firefox as well. And that got people really, really excited. And again, I think it's in that bucket of um, this PDC, we really showed um, the world how deeply we're investing in, in this services world, but then pulling it all together with this with this software plus services strategy of, hey, we're, gonna, we're deeply investing in all three of these areas, um, and we're going to have this common platform across all of them. The last one um, that I mentioned, we we did mention, but we didn't really talk about it specifically, was related to Office Live. I mentioned Office Live Workspace, but Stuart, you mentioned Office Live Small Business, and that's something that's now available in Canada as well. Um, That is something that I think this this community would would really appreciate. So that's the ability for you to go, um, and you can sign up for Office Live Small Business, and there's a bunch of functionality that's just completely free, so you can register your your website, build a a professional website there uh, very easily and really just get your small business online um as friction free as as possible.
1: I mean I had I was lucky to uh, be at the launch event in Toronto. Oh and perfect. I, I think we I think we got a couple maybe in a few weeks Jason and I are talking about having him on on board here to to talk about uh you know the OSB launch and you know, That
2: would be a great you know, idea. Yeah. And
1: a half later. So I think we are looking at until maybe December early January. Rob, Rob one thing I mean I want to mention to you and uh and uh, from a partner side are you hearing anything in the partner community around the whole compliance and regulatory, you know, when we got Pepita and we got Sea sox uh, With the online world, are you seeing any anything coming back from the partner community around, you know, we can't do that because it can, you know, goes against c or Pepita or, you know, HIPAA in the U.S.? Is that well, a concern for us as partners?
0: Yeah, actually, um, partners um, and customers, for that matter, um, are, are looking more and more at some of the different hosted services that are out there because it's, it's – um, they're finding that there's so many different regulations, there's so many different things that they need to adhere to, it's much easier to to go with uh, a solution and a service by someone who has already invested the time and the energy to make sure that it's done right and someone who focuses on that sort of thing every day, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's something as simple as, um, you know, exchange-hosted services, uh, which isn't, Designed specifically to take care of, of SOX compliance, but is a major, major part of making sure that you've got uh, your, your archived messaging and, and everything is available for review at a later date. Um, we do have a lot of partners who uh, uh, who are looking at leveraging hosted services that are specific for, for addressing those concerns. And it's a, you know there are partners who have found a great opportunity there and a great little niche market that they can uh, they can take advantage of.
1: From what I hear from the last 55 minutes or so that we've been chatting, guys, is there's some great new innovation coming. Microsoft definitely uh, stepped it up there with its whole cloud computing and the, and the innovation is coming with Azure and the, 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 the office and the cloud stuff coming uh, from the existing solutions. And from what I hear from Rob is there's some great uh, opportunities for partners to – you know with a little bit of uh, uncomfortable change, I might add, because a few of us old guys have been in the business for a while, uh, have a have a hard time adopting some of these new technologies, but I think it's important that we start looking at it. And and, and you know imme- immediate call to action, Rob, that I can see, you know, as many of those calls, there's program's done, if you're listening to it, you know, live or you download it on MP3, is, hey, go to the uh, the directory through Microsoft.com slash partner, slash partner, and start searching out some of these hosting providers and ISVs that are developing solutions in the cloud and start creating a relationship with them, and also leveraging uh, communities like the International Association of Microsoft Certified Partners, the IAMCP, uh, and finding out where all these uh, partners are hanging out and, and starting to learn more about the community. Any, any last things you want to add on that, Rob, before uh, we, we, we close up for today? Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um we actually just launched a um a new sub site within the Microsoft.ca um uh small business um site. So if if uh if people who are listening go to Microsoft.ca forward slash SMB, you'll see a new um hosted services link on the uh, on the right hand side there under Microsoft Products. And there's a lot of great information there on our uh on our partners uh, hosted services and, and the different um uh different services that, that an SMB can get. Uh, and it's, a, it's got a good little growing community there of some of our, our featured um, uh, hosting partners in Canada.
1: Great. That's a yeah, good, good resource to go to. Ryan, anything, any last-minute comment from your side before we wrap up for today?
2: Yeah, I, I guess the other thing that I'd put out there as, as a resource, I guess, is if you wanted to dig into Software Plus Services a, a bit more, they actually just uh, rev the, uh, so, the Microsoft.com slash Software Plus Services uh, website, so uh, you can take a look at that. And the other one I was going to mention is um, Azure, so Windows Azure. If you want to dig more into that, they've got a pretty detailed site up there on azure.com. So www.azure.com, a z u r e dot com, and that'll have a bunch of materials that, that uh, you can dig in deeper based on some of the stuff I was talking about today.
1: Wonderful. Thanks, uh, gentlemen, for investing, you know, the last hour of your your time to uh, come and talk with us today.
0: My pleasure. Well, thank you very much, Stuart.
1: And just a reminder of our upcoming programs. We're going to be, we're not going to be on next week. Uh, we'll be uh, with my Heartland Technology Peer Group next week uh, in uh, Burbank, California. So we're going to skip next week uh, because of my travel schedule. Well, we'll be back on two weeks' time. We have a great panel uh, formed with some leading uh, small business specialists. Uh, we have Sean Fullerton from Phoenix area. We have Mark Kroll from Charlotte, North Carolina. Mike Ritzema, who was on a few weeks ago uh, from the Detroit area. We're going to be talking about you know, navigating the stormy economic seas in the small business world and how we as partners, uh, what we need to do going into 2009, because eh, it might be a bit of a rough ride here for a few of us. Uh, we got some great uh, ideas today from, from these gentlemen about, uh, you know, what we can do from one way. And then uh, Arlen's going to be joining me in a couple weeks, and so we're going to talk about some uh, different things on the personal side. So we're going to be on, uh, not next week, but we two, got two great shows booked, uh, the 21st and the 28th of November. We'll be adding more and more shows. Visit our site at smallbusinessitradio.com. Feel free to join, uh, drop us an email at info at smallbusinessitradio.com. We'll, if you have any business ideas or any show ideas, anything you want to discuss, we're open for some great topics. We're online most Fridays. I guess next week we're going to take a miss, but most Fridays at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. That's noon uh, on the East Coast, 9 a.m. on the West Coast uh, on Small Business IT Radio. Thanks to my great friends at Microsoft. It's always uh, a pleasure to chat with you guys and keep, uh, keep our strong relationship going. For all my listeners and all those people listening to us today, thank you for taking the time. Uh, drop us some comments, drop us some feedback, and we'll look forward to uh, you know, publishing those, getting my more show ideas going on here, especially going to 2009. So this is Stuart Crawford in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, signing off for Small Business IT Radio today. Feel free to, again, visit our website, smallbusinessitradio.com.